warning. This is explicit content. There is talk of murder. There is trigger warnings for child death. And so please be aware if you continue onto this podcast, onto this episode, it is a true crime episode. Hi, I'm Chloe. This is Sydney. And I'm Katrina. And this is Murder Obsessed. Today, Chloe makes her debut on our podcast. So she's going to tell us a case about who was it again? Dennis Nielsen. All right. Well, when you're ready, get started, girl. All right. Dennis Andrew Nielsen, also known as the Muswell Hill Murderer. He lived in England. Not exactly sure the exact location, but somewhere in England. And he was a killer that was born on the 23rd of November in the year 1945, which would make him about 72 years old today. But he died on the 12th of May in 2018. He died from a, I'm going to butcher this, a pulmonary embolism and a retroperitoneal hemorrhage from a surgery that he had in prison. Don't know if I said that right. Um, he, ha- he had 12 to 15 victims in his lifetime, but was convicted with six counts of murder and two counts of attempted murder. Um, he was apprehended on the 9th of February in 1983 at the age of 37. So pretty, I mean, pretty young. Um, he committed his murders at the two addresses that he lived between, where he would deceive his victims, lure them to his home, where he would then strangle them and then accompany, accompany that with drowning them. Ew. And yeah, he had a whole ritual. And the most interesting part to, of his case to me is that once he would murder his victims, he would still treat them as they were living. Like he would bathe them, um, dress them, and then he would sit them in his armchair when, and just watch TV with them because he was lonely. I just Don't read know. something. Of course, it may not be true because, you know, I'm not like a psychiatrist. But when people do that, like, you know, they close their victims or they clean their victims up. Um, usually it's like a sign of remorse. Like somewhere in the back of their mind, they're like, oh, my gosh, you know, mm-hmm. they're so crazy. But yeah. Um, and then once he w- was finished with them, you know, sitting in his armchair and stuff, he would stow them away under his floorboards and then take them out occasionally to sit in his armchair again and then he would dissect them and then burn him in his bonfire so you had a whole thing next next week uh, or not next week the next case that I'm doing is John Wayne Gacy and he also did that and like the fact that he would take them back out and like almost like a doll would you know what I mean like he put them on his floor and then he takes them back out to like lay with them like yeah the level of decomp like decomposition like that just makes me nauseous thinking of like pulling out decomposing bodies imagine the smell just the smell oh too like if you're not I feel like I'm I'm sure of this if you're not you know treated the right way when you die you know um embalmed and all that then you decompose even faster yeah so I mean it's not very long before you're gonna start stinking and swelling up and yeah and like my and I know this is not even like up there in the top of problems but I'm like the bugs 
yeah that is an issue for him actually the bugs is an issue for him yeah oh okay (laughs) (laughs) um so once he would was finished with them like he was completely done with them he would dissect them burn them or flush them down his toilet which was the very them what What, is it he dissect them to like look inside or he did it like i think he was just curious like he just wanted to see what was there you know so it wasn't he would a keep member, it was a dissect. Well, he would, um, he was obsessed with taking off hands too. Like he oh. would take off their hands and just keep them. I'm not really sure why. That's um, yeah. Well, he would like, he would flush small bones and parts of like, just this, that he would dissect and flush them down his toilet, which was the very thing that got him caught. I'm not shocked you know three kids over here and my toilets are always stocked up you never know what you're gonna find in there so yeah we start flushing body parts um (laughs) Um, a diner rod employee which is like a plumber um responded to some plumbing complaints made by both Nielsen and other tenants where he lived so he complained about it too like he put in a a complaint (laughs) it was like you guys need to get this fixed yeah like our toilet just stopped up and I don't know why (laughs) I definitely Um, flush a dead body (laughs) (laughs) the employee opened a drain cover and discovered flesh-like substance and small bones in the sewer and he obviously reported this to his supervisor. And then the next morning they came back to do a further investigation, which I don't know why they had to do a further investigation. He opened it, saw it. That was the end of it. Yeah. And they're like, <clears throat> I'm like calling the police right there. Yeah. Like, 911 on my cell phone. I mean, like, I'm pretty He's sure. Like, this is weird. No, no, no. Katrina, you're way smarter than that. We watched way too many movies. You're at least getting in your car, locking the doors, and getting out of Island before you call. Because that guy's going to hit you over the head. True story. Before you get out. Yeah. I'd be the next one flushed on the toilet. <laughs> Once the employee was leaving the area after he made, like, first made the discovery, Nielsen and a neighbor questioned him about what it could be in the sewer. And he told them that it was, like, bones and flesh-like substance. And Nielsen then said... Looks like someone flushed um, fried chicken down the toilet trying to cover his tracks. It's like, okay. Fried chicken. That's a lot of, a lot of skin. And chicken bones and human bones are nowhere near the same. Yeah, for, but it's like, I can understand why someone would try to cover their tracks and flush flesh and bones down the toilet. Why would someone flush fried chicken down the toilet? <laughs> no reasoning. <laughs> Um, the next day when they returned to the Cranley Gardens where they lived, um, mysteriously enough, the drain cover had been, or the drain had been cleared. There was nothing there. Made those two men really suspicious. Yeah, that's suspicious. Like, hmm, someone didn't want us finding these chicken bones. <laughs> yeah, it's gone. <laughs> they did discover uh, scraps of flesh and four bones in a pipe that led to both the men's homes. So, I mean, they didn't do a good enough job. They then, then called the police. At that point, they called the police, who discovered even more small bones and scraps and sent the remains to a mortuary, if I said that right, where they advised police that they were, in fact, human remains. Um, once the police learned that the, the flat that the remains were flushed from was Nielsen's, they did a stakeout until he returned home from work. Once he did return home, the detective and the two police officers introduced themselves and asked to further inspect his flat. As soon as they entered his home, they smelled rotting flesh. 
Yeah. The police informed Nielsen why they were there, and Nielsen responded in shock, like, good grief, how awful. <laughs> like, yeah. Good grief. Oh, my word. Oh, <laughs> my flat for murder. <laughs> but the detective immediately shut him down by telling him, don't mess about, where's the rest of the body? He was like, don't even try to act. We, we already know. <laughs> Just tell us. Um, Nielsen then calmly answered that there were two plastic bags in his wardrobe and he admitted to the detectives that he would tell them everything at the station and he needed to get this off his chest. So he's definitely guilty. Um, it no, no, just like, oh my gosh. And then, oh yeah, yeah. Okay, well. I was like, no. yep. Okay, I'm feeling guilty. You caught me. Yeah, he couldn't think of a lie quick enough. So he was like, well, there we go. <laughs> Um, on the way to the station, police asked Nielsen whether the remains belonged to one or two people, and he replied by saying 15 to 16 since 1978. Ooh. He wasn't hiding nothing at this point. He was yeah, ready yeah. to... Wait, okay, so 1978, when did he get caught? Did you tell me that already? What year um, was it that he got caught? He was apprehended when... If I can find it here, the 9th of February in 1983. He's been doing That's this a while. for a while. Yeah. yeah. Um, that same evening, the bags were removed from his flat and inside contained two dissected torsos, a bag containing various organs, a skull, a severed head, a torso with arms, and no hands. And that was what was in his wardrobe so Ew. a lot of stuff i'm sorry i'm um, trying to mute myself while my dogs bark like idiots yeah my dog's barking too i'm about to about to let her know <laughs> okay so that is roughly what nielsen did so i want to move back to his early years and maybe see how it started um, Nielsen was the second of three children, so he was a middle child, so that explains everything. His mother was Elizabeth Duthie White, and his father was Olaf Magnus Molksheim. His father was a Norwegian soldier who had traveled to Scotland in 1940, <coughs> losing my voice, as part of the Free Norwegian Forces. His parents were married in 1942 and then moved on into their parents' home, and they did not have a good marriage. Olav did not value the marriage and spent little time with the family and was too preoccupied with his work. By 1948, they had divorced, so Olav, only six years in, Elizabeth was like, this was a bad idea, peace out, see you later. Olaf's children barely knew him, and Elizabeth's parents were very supportive of the divorce because he never, they never approved of him in the first place, and they weren't close with their dad, but he was rather close to his grandfather, which he had dubbed him his hero and protector. He spent a lot of time with him and even said that his life was empty without, until his grandfather returned from work because he was a fisherman. And his grandfather then died in 1951 on a fishing trip of a heart attack and this really affected Nielsen he became cold and withdrawn from everyone except his sister Sylvia uh, later Nielsen's mother and the kids move out of her parents home into a flat with um, and remarried to a man named Andrew 
She then got to work and had four more children with him. <laughs> and here's where Nielsen took a turn once he reached the start of puberty and discovered that he was gay, which he took a lot of shame in because he didn't understand why he was like this. But he then noticed that most of the males he was attracted to resembled his younger sister, Sylvia. Which is really gross. That, Where he even, what was it? I'm what? confused. Yeah, that's um, like, was Sylvia like boyish? Like, was she like a tomboy? Or was he saying he was attracted to like feminine men? It was like, I don't know if his sister was like male-like. I The picture I saw, she looked like a girl, but the men were feminine men. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. I'm just, I'm still a little bit grossed out that he's attracted to people because they remind him of his sister. Yeah, yeah no, it's, that's gross. Really gross. Um, where he even fondled her sexually on one occasion to like Ooh. test his theory that he was attracted to her. He never pursued any of the boys that he felt attracted to, but he did also fondle his older brother while he slept once. Olaf Jr. is his older brother. And then he starts, his brother started to suspect that he was gay leading to Dennis being publicly humiliated by him. And he would call him a hen in public to call him a girl. So this, he is, is, this is not America. This is over in yeah. he said, uh, England. Is that where you said he was? Yeah. Oh, I mean, <laughs> I mean, obviously he began to suspect that his brother was gay. I mean, how do you not wake up in the middle of the night when you're being touched? For real. Yeah, I don't know. If- hen is like because i mean like this is in the 60s or 70s and you know we were in high school like 2006 to 2010 ish yeah and it was just common practice to talk to your friends and be like gay you're so gay yeah yeah and you didn't think anything about that like we would now realize hey um that's not a derogatory term use that in that way and um, yeah. when we were in high school, it was when they're like people were slowly starting to be like public Open. with who they were. Yeah. You know, like in our high school, we had like one gay kid, one gay boy, and one lesbian. Like, you know, like it was not a like nowadays, like I have sixth graders who like I had a sixth grader who had like rainbow eyebrows, his nails was done, like his makeup was better than mine. Like in today's time, like it is much more openly accepted. But like even when we were in high school, which was only like 10 years ago, it was not openly accepted. I know. Yeah, I definitely was in a different time in high school than you guys were. <laughs> like right. yeah. 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 You're like much- years younger than us. So like everything that we went through, like that was when it was kind of just slowly starting to happen like there were still lots of kids that as an adult I look back and I'm like they were in the closet but Mm, especially in a small rural town that we were in yeah yeah you were not you were not they were like one or two open gay people and they they suffered for it Mm. yeah but this was like also his brother doing it so it probably was different and in public and this time it was definitely not like something you would tell people so it, it really got to him. Um, where am I here? Uh, Nielsen's family was poorer than most. So he joined the army cadet force where he intended to train as a chef. 
In his time training, he was very careful to keep his sexual orientation hidden. But as he continued and fully enlisted in the army, he started to drink more, which is always a great idea when you're trying to hide something. Um, his colleague said he drank to cure his shyness. One time, Nielsen and a German youth drank until they passed out. And when they awoke, Nielsen was on the floor of the youth's flat. Nothing sexual occurred, but Nielsen set, or but this set Nielsen's sexual fantasies ablaze, where he would imagine slender young men, which would evolve to the men being unconscious to eventually dead. So it jumps quick. So like necrophilia. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Once Nielsen finished his military service, he then worked as a police cadet until he realized that he had no personal life and wanted more. So he was not getting a personal life with his line of work, so he changed jobs. That same month, his birth father died and left him a thousand euros, which I don't know how much that is in American money. Uh, Nielsen then resigned from the police and, and then in 1974, he started as a civil servant. So we're getting close to his first murder, which was in 1978, December 30th. Um, he met a 14-year-old whose name is Stephen Holmes, a literal child, okay? I will never understand that. Um, Holmes and Nielsen had met at a pub where Nielsen found Holmes trying to buy alcohol, but, but he couldn't because he was a child. Yeah. Uh, Nielsen recounts that he thought Holmes was 17. But that doesn't make it better because he's still a child. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about over in England, but I know in, in the United States, like, it's 18. 18. Yeah, I don't know, age. but well, he's a child. Know, I think once you get to be a mob, too, like, or even if you're not a mom, I know you're, you know, not on the having kids bandwagon. But, like, just, I mean, you're not, are you 20? I'm 19. Okay, so you're almost 20 though, May, right? So yeah. like, I feel like I was a kid until I had a kid and I had mm -hmm. to plan at 24. Like, so anyone under the age of 25 to me is a child. Not you, but like, especially sexually. Do you know oh, what yeah. I mean? Well, I also think though, part of that, and I, I will say this, women and men look at that very differently because I like, I've had this conversation with Lijel and I've been like, when I was a senior in college and freshman in college would come in, I was like, y'all babies, you guys are babies, but men don't look at it that way. Men like, I, and I think it might be like a maturity thing because women do mature faster than men. So looking at oh, a definitely. younger man is like looking at a kid because they're way more immature than you are. Men are not the same way. So I, I know that that's a fact because I know that men do not look at younger women like, especially when it's only, like, a small amount of, like, if you're 25 and you're looking at, like, 22-year-olds or 20-year-olds, right. they don't look at them as babies. They look at them as adults. And that, and I know that we're all thinking with our woman brain of, like, y'all babies. Yeah. Men are not the same way. And it, like, and that's what, like, someone asked me one day, they're like, why is there a woman, why is there a cougar, you know, a woman interested in younger men, but there's not a name for men like that? It's all like, men. It's it's because it's all men. I'm like that's because all men are like that. And I'm a predator. Like, we know that men and women, you know, use different parts of their brain and stuff. And maybe it's just that men look at, you know, because for the most part, a 17 year old girl 
has the physical attributes of a woman you know what mm-hmm. I mean so maybe that's what it is it might be because women are much more like maturity level and like where are you at in your life and what what do you have and men are like let me look at that body yeah I'm super immature guys so I'm still like <laughs> my husband hey <clears throat> hey what are you doing what's up how are you <laughs> how are you doing <laughs> all right where am I at here um Nielsen then invites Holmes into his flat where with the promise of alcohol and music they then drank until they passed out. Nielsen awoke in the morning and found the child laying next to him asleep. But Nielsen was afraid to wake him because he might leave. So he caressed Holmes and decided, you know, this kid's going to stay with me over the new year, whether he wants to or not. So Nielsen strangled Holmes with a necktie, knocking him unconscious, and then proceeds to drown him in a bucket of water. So he's like, you're staying with me. You're not going to leave. Sorry. You don't have to be alive to stay. It's okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like, it does not matter to me. I will have just as much fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> he then bathes Holmes, puts him back in his bed and caresses him again. He waits a little bit for rigor mortis to happen. And then he just puts Holmes under the floorboards for eight months, eight whole months. And then uh, the 11th of August in 1979, Nelson burned the body in a bonfire in his garden. Which, um, it doesn't say here, but I do remember reading that. To cover the smell of the burning body, he would put a car tire on the fire. To, like, mask the smell. Which, I don't know which one is worse. I've never smelled a burning body, but Um, I know that a tire burning is pretty bad, too. Well, yeah, and, like, also, like... Once again, when you're dealing with another country, things are just different. Mm-hmm. I'm well, I'm sure just, it's illegal to burn tires. I'm like I'm, I'm pretty sure you can't burn tires because like chemicals that it releases, which granted this is 2021, mm-hmm. you know, and this might not be a law that was back in the 80s. Was it the 80s? Yeah. So maybe not, but like I'm pretty sure it's illegal to burn tires. Yeah, I'm not mom shaming, but where's this guy's, where's this kid's parents? Yeah, I have no idea. I mean, I, he I was a mean like, um, like he's missing for, for eight to nine months. And no one cares. Yeah. I mean, my kid is MIA for like a minute and I'm like, where the crap are you at? And then I scare them. Like someone would be like, you're traumatizing your kid. Cause I'm like, look at me. You can't leave me because someone might take you. Oh yeah. No, <laughs> that is a whole nother level of terror in a store when you turn around and you can't see your kid. Yeah. Um, he also said that he um, remembered four little kids from like the other apartments coming to watch this bonfire, which I just thought was really like wrong these little kids just coming to watch this body burn them not knowing it's a body but yeah like imagine finding that out being like a little kid and remembering this bonfire and then um years later you're like oh my god there was a body in that fire yeah for real all right on to his next murder um october 11th 1979 andrew ho uh, Nielsen met Ho in a pub, another bar, and lured him to his flat with the promise of sex. Nielsen tries to strangle Ho, but this time Ho escapes. 
and goes to the police. So could have been caught right there. But Nielsen was questioned, but no charges were pressed for some reason. You know, the amount, the amount of times, and I am not knocking because I know the legal system is it's flawed, but the amount of times that they get caught and somehow worm their way out of it, like yeah. when I John Wayne Gacy case, you will see this. It just flabbergasts me that these men and women slip through these cracks like this and then go off to do so much horrible, like so many horrible things. Yeah. Um, December 3rd, 1979, Kenneth Ockenden. I said that right. <clears throat> this man was 23 years old, visiting England, visiting his family. And they also met in a pub. Um, learning that Ockenden was a tourist, Nielsen offered to be his tour guide and to show him around. Ockenden accepted Nielsen's offer and also they drank and had a meal at his flat, which um, at his flat, Nielsen strangled him with a pair of headphones. Oh, affected it. Yeah, I, I couldn't imagine while he was listening to music. Um, he then poured himself a glass of rum, took the headphones and listened to music with them right after he strangled this man. Oh, my God. <clears throat> Um, Nielsen went the next day and bought a Polaroid cam camera and photographed Ockenden in very suggestive ways. He then bagged the body, put him in the floorboards. On four separate occasions, Nielsen would take Ockenden out, set him in his armchair, and, and watch TV and drink. Before 1980, Nielsen killed six more men and boys and attempted one more person. So the body started to accumulate in his floorboards because he wasn't burning them or flushing them. He was just keeping them in his floorboards for a while. Yuck. Yeah. How other um, people could not smell that? For like, real. Like, the people next to him, I don't know. Yeah. Like, because I'm assuming if he, like, he had to be around other people, even if it wasn't, like, because, like, when I think of a flat, I think of an apartment. Yeah. So, like... The people below him, and or if, even if he was at the bottom, the people like to his sides above him, like, like even just one body, the smell and decomposition. Yeah, like, you've yeah. ever been around like if you've ever like wa been walking and walked to, up to roadkill, it is raunch, like it is nasty. How this is going what? on for years, and no one's like, hey. Somebody's got to come deal with the smell. Yeah, and like seven bodies in his floorboards. You can, can probably smell, smell it from the street. Because can't you like, can you jump lime or something on? Does that do something to the smell? It does. Lime, um, it, well, I think what lime does is it like um, increases, like it makes it um, decompose faster. So like He's not doing anything like that to cover up the smell. Well, no, it, um, does. it does because when we had chicken, um, when we had chickens, Lijel would um, like rake it out and then put lime and it uh -huh. would like ease some of the, the smell of like chicken feces or whatever. And mm -hmm. um, we did that right where our, because our dogs used to have a favorite spot where they would pee and poop. And so we could smell it because they would go to one spot every time and we put mm -hmm. lime there. So I think it does coat the smell too. Um, I just mean this guy's not doing this. Like, no, I didn't, uh, he I didn't is. hear that he was. He is. Yeah, I haven't gotten to it yet. Oh, okay. Um, 
Um, so he was putting them, like, there was, like, seven bodies under his floorboards, and he was, like, okay. But then it started to attract bugs, and the smell was an obvious bad thing. So um, he started to spray pesticides and deodorants as much as he could, but the smell just wouldn't go away. Just try, like, imagine trying to Febreze over a decomp- decomposed yeah. body. For like, real. Sorry, and his it's issue not with made it that wasn't- way. Yeah, his issue wasn't even the smell. Like he said, it didn't really bother him. It was the bugs that it was attracting. Like, can you that's imagine it, the amount of insect activity yeah. on seven dead bodies? He, that's where he crossed the line. He was like, this is too much. The bugs are killing me. I did, priorities. <laughs> yeah, priorities, um, man. Yeah. So he decided um, I have to get rid of these bodies because the bugs are just overwhelming this apartment. Um, so in the late 1980s, he, or 80, he removed and dissected the bodies. He had to see what was going on in there first before he got rid of them um, and burned them in a bonfire. I listen to so much true crime podcasts that like they talk about the level of decomposition. So to get these bodies out of the floor that are covered in insect activity, been decomposing for who knows how long, and then cutting, uh, cutting them up. Oh my God. This is not like a fresh dead body. This is something that's been sitting like in the eight, ground. Eight or nine months. Oh, <coughs> oh that's nasty. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then this is another time that he was burning six whole bodies or so. So um, he put another tire on there to cover it. Yeah, let's mask one nasty smell with another. Yeah. Um, then he went on to kill multiple more people at this flat at the same apartment where he has not been caught yet until his landlord offered to him a thousand euros to move to 23. That's where he lives now. He moved to a different apartment. He lives in Cranley Gardens right now. And then he moved his landlord wants to renovate. So he offers him money to move. Okay. Two things. One, I looked up how much euros are and like one euro is 1.13 us dollars. So pretty much a thousand, a little over a thousand dollars. Two, this landlord was like, "You're stinking my place up so bad, I will yeah. pay you to leave." Well, imagine the amount of cleaning that he would have to do just to move. Like, oh yeah, you're not gonna get rid of that smell. Like, it's in, it's in the apartment now. Oh yeah, it is part of the walls. Yeah. Um, the downside to moving to Nielsen was that he no longer had a backyard to bonfire his victims. Um, he was also in the attic, so no floorboards to stow his victims away with. Um, he was thrown off of his groove, he might say. He didn't murder anyone for two whole months after moving, although his fantasies were growing again. So he was getting the urge to kill, but had to work out a plan so that he wouldn't get caught. Um, his next, next vi- victim was John Howlett. They met at a pub. And then they went back to Nielsen's to keep drinking, where Nielsen debated killing him. He was really worried that he wasn't going to be able to hide the body anywhere, and it was just going to be stuck in his apartment. Um, he worked up the courage to strangle him, but Howlett fought back, which this really shocked Nielsen, because Nielsen, in his fantasies, was the dominator. Like, he did not want to be dominated. Mm-hmm. So, um, Oh, he didn't Nielsen- want people to fight to not die? Yeah, for real. He's like, I just want you to die peacefully. Um, Nielsen won, though. He strangled him unconscious, and then he left the room shaking because he was so shaky, shook up about this man fighting back. It's like, 
how do you think they feel <laughs> they feel before right. they die you know um and then he drowned him but it took him like 20 minutes to drown this man because every time that he would like react because he was still alive he was just unconscious he would like breathe heavy or something it would scare nielsen so he just wanted to get this done before this man woke up um he murdered a few more people at this residence followed by dissecting them and flushing the small remains down the toilet and then this led to the complaints of plumbing leading to the arrest of dennis nielsen and then this is more about nielsen's death um nielsen died of a blood clot from surgery on may 12th of 2018 the thing the long thing i said earlier um his body it's like in a uh, that is like an um abdominal the peritoneum is like abdominal wall yeah there's some he like had complications nearing his old age or some kind of like lower abdominal surgery yeah and it did not go well which nobody really cared that it didn't go well i mean yeah no one was broken no um on may 12th in 2018 so pretty pretty recent like he died just a couple years ago um, his body was cremated and his funeral held five people. No, none of his family was there. And three of the people were prison officers. So no one cared that he died. Um, no family members were present, but they did receive his ashes. Don't know what they did with them. But no one cared, which was probably the best thing that could happen. Like you go out alone when you do this kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, like I under like... Part like part of me feels bad, but it's also like, what about all of those kids and young men that, and that, that never yeah. even had? I mean, there there was never a chance. I mean, unless they were identified afterwards, their family just is like, yeah, there's no chance I mean, to mourn them because they have no clue. Most of yeah. them, he burnt, he burned the body. You know, he right. yeah. burned the ashes. He burned everything. So like those families got no peace. They got you know no. Um, and like you said, he wasn't, he was only charged with six, right? Yeah. There was multiple that just went unaccounted for because they didn't have the evidence. So the amount of families that have lost someone that can't lay them to rest, that that doesn't have a place. That didn't even get the justice for him to be charged with it. Yeah. So like as, as much as it sucks that he had no one, it's also like, I see what you've done in your life and you don't really deserve to have anyone at your funeral. To the feel consequences of my own action. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then one more thing um, while he was in prison, which I want to look this up because I, I didn't um, while he was in prison, he wrote a 400 page autobiography titled the history of a drowning boy. So I think that'd be a little interesting to read. And um, the reason I didn't include this in the, the beginning of it but the, the reason that um it's named the history of a drowning boy because uh he almost drowned on one occasion and then his grandfather was a fisherman so he had like a weird obsession with like drowning obviously that's how he killed all most of his people that his victims but i would like to read that because i just want to like to see inside his head yeah see how he portrays his life compared to the many articles about him well, there's, there's one thing, though, once again, I'm going to keep saying this, because anything that happens out of this country, I, I don't know their laws, but I know in the United States, there's a law that you cannot profit off of your crimes. Like, serial killers have to sell their rights mm-hmm. to their stories so that people can write their stories, because they cannot profit 
off of their crime. So I don't know. If, I mean, if it was published or not. He may have just wrote it yeah. and didn't publish it. But or maybe it, he wrote it and a publishing company um, took it, bought the rights or something. Which, to me, if you buy the rights, that's still you. I don't know. I, I think it's a a legal loophole because I know a lot of ones that I've read they like. Like Eileen Warnos was one that we did um, back before you joined our group here at Clo. And um, she sold off her rights for her story. And buddy, did they make some stories out of her craziness? Mm-hmm. They made a movie. Yeah. Well, Charlize Monster. Is it Monster? Yeah. Yeah, Monster. Not many people know about Dennis Nielsen because I feel like his... Um, his case is very like he did the same thing over and over and over again, but it's still like he still murdered a lot of people. Oh yeah, right. Well, that's like when I did the case, um, the John Smith Patter or the John Patterson Smith case. He really he only killed one person, but like the level of brutality in that one murder, like it was literally one of the hardest cases that I've ever had to like listen to because. He like scalped her. He gouged her eyes out before she died. Like, oh my gosh. Like, yeah, it was horrible the things that he did to this one poor little teenage girl. So a lot of times, like, like next week or not next week because I think next week is you, right, Sydney? Are you ready for next week? Awesome, guys. Okay, listen. I don't want to say that I like serial killers because I don't. But anyone who listens to true crime understands that yeah. we do. But like it's a morbid sense of like being interested. Like we, yeah. we like learning about them. It we is are going to um, next week. Super well known one, but I love the eighties and all this thing. We're gonna do Richard Ramirez. Oh AKA. yeah. Hey guys, just wanted to talk really quick about a great small business that I literally love. Um, it is called New and Distressed. Two local girls run it, Janae Fugit Gross and um, Betty Montville, and they are so talented. They make shirts, hoodies. Um, I know that they sell like sub prints for digital download, and literally they they will personalize anything you want. I also seen that they have some really awesome jewelry now, which is totally cool. Guys, I'm throwing my money. At these people so go check them out it's new and distressed on facebook or you can also find them in an etsy shop so yeah we're doing richard um ramirez aka the night stalker uh okay i was kind of confused at first. um not really guys i'm a conservative christian but you know richard ramirez hell satan <laughs> yeah um, which is exciting because the next week I'm doing John Wayne Gacy. So I, I kind of like our mixture of like, like not well-known. And then every now and again, we throw in a couple of the like famous serial killers. Yeah. So I'm excited. I think um, it's going to be an exciting couple weeks, which this, this case, even though it isn't super well-known is, I mean, it's super interesting. Just, and like you said, Chloe, I would love to read his, his account because like my first question is always why does someone do something like why what is his mind space and doing that yeah he doesn't like it's not as sick and twisted as some other famous serial killers but it's still like lives lost oh yeah and i mean drowning freaks me out 
Yeah, freak. for real. When um, yeah, same. He was like a young boy when he had his drowning scare, but he said once he was in, in prison, like once he was telling his story, he did say that it was like the most calm he's ever felt when he was about to die, but then somebody saved him. You know, and that always draws me back to the, the nature versus nurture um, debate. Almost every single time something happens, something is pinpointed as why they moved the way they did. I always think it's a little bit of both. I always think that you're a little predisposed and then something might happen. Um, but whether it's, you know, an abusive childhood, head trauma, which we talked about before, with mm-hmm. dear god my kids have head trauma on the daily because they are wild <laughs> crazy children um self-inflicted head trauma it's not like i'm punching them in the head because i mean i do that in my brain but i would never do that in real life yeah um, <laughs> like i had to mute the thing here earlier because lj took a sucker from anson and anson decided that that was he was going to scream to the heavens that he no longer had a sucker but anyway, nurture versus nature. It's always, there's always something in their background that's like, that's why they did it. Something happened when they were that's a child. He didn't have- Which is terrifying. Like, do, you know, you worry about a lot of stuff as a parent, but you don't worry about, oh my gosh, I'm somehow causing like a trauma that's going to turn yeah. them into psychopaths. Yeah. Well, yeah, with these head traumas, it's like he busts his head and then like, is this what they're going to say on 2020 of the reason why he became a serial killer? Because he hit his head on the yeah. armchair. When they find my body, are they going to be like, listen, my mom, she uh, grounded me from YouTube. So that was it for her. She had to I go. mean, seriously, which I mean, granted, it's, it's crazy because we grew up with moms that we got our butts busted. We had head trauma. You know, I mean, um, it, Earl's brother gave me head trauma, little Chris, every time we played together. Um, oh my god! Shout out, little Chris. I still love I you. My head, on, but I think um, the train track. Oh my god, you did! And then I, I actually gave you head trauma that one time I was swinging Skylar around by her feet, and you guys yeah. collided. And oh man, I, I definitely got head trauma from my brother Chris. Also, shout out, little Chris, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> Because we were jumping on the trampoline and we busted heads and I'm like in a fetal position screaming and he's like laughing. <laughs> he did that like, to me too. What kind of demon are you? Yeah. yeah. Lord. But you definitely had some head trauma, Chloe. Like you looked yeah, like you got in a car wreck. You had crazy. Eggs. I, I can't believe I didn't die, honestly. I, I mean, it was bad. And not only did it happen once, it happened twice. And then Cody <laughs> hit me in the head with a sledgehammer. Uh, oh my gosh yeah so like there's lots of head trauma that does not turn into serial killer shout out to cody you better shout him out since he hit the head and trampoline pole oh yeah yeah we gave him some trauma too slinging him off the trampoline trauma all around (laughs) well distributed everyone was getting whacked (laughs) they were getting whacked And then we all got whipped for it anyway, so. It's just crazy how how different, like, someone else's experience can change them. It is. It is. Yeah. But his family wasn't even, like, that bad. He just didn't feel like he belonged there. And the one person that he liked died. And when his grandfather died, his mom told him that he was just sleeping. 
which is always it's always like I you know I I'm not a perfect parent but I work very hard to tell my children the truth because I feel like these these lies which you tell because you love your kids and you don't want to hurt them but a lot of times these lies freak them out you know like that they're sleeping so now this kid's like so if I go to sleep I'm I'm never gonna wake up you know like we we try to always tell them the truth because as much as it sucks to expose your children to to sad things I just feel like it's worse to lie because then it's going to come out and then they're going to be like well you like they you know you lied about that what else did you lie about or it freaks them out even more because like you said like am I going to wake up and and death is just a part of life it is it is a part of life protect our kids from those things but it it is what it is I mean I'm not great. The last few losses we've had, um, Tyler has really been more of the one to talk to the kids because I didn't want to have like a meltdown in front of them. I mean, I wanted them to know that it's okay to cry. It's okay to be upset, but um, I'm not good at that part of parenting. (laughs) But I've never said, oh, you know, Papa Otto is just sleeping or, you know, someone who passed away is just that. No. (laughs) Well, and it's like, Ligel has had like several losses. And so like currently LJ is, is understanding that mommy has a dad, but daddy doesn't have a dad. And Mm -hmm. so we've explained to him, you know, daddy's dad died when he was young. And so like it, we try to be very open and be like, you know, like we've watched a couple of videos that had his dad in it. And, and so, but he's like really trying, it's like starting to understand like, People yeah, he was telling me all about that <laughs> on our car ride the other day. Him and yeah. Stevie were having deep conversations. You know, Stevie's three and LJ's five about this. And I'm oh, yeah. like, listening. Yeah, guys. Yeah. I mean, like, oh, really? I'm just letting them go. <laughs> yeah. Because sometimes like like LJ, he just, he just wants to talk about it because it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's not, he just doesn't understand. So he's like trying to to understand that. Um. I think Sydney got off, or not Sydney, I was reading your name. I think Chloe got bumped off. I'm going to stop the recording. We just rambled for the last, like, 20 minutes anyway. I know. I'm a- Are you into fun, unique, and expressive earrings? Listen, I am utterly obsessed with this shop. Every time I look on their Etsy shop, there's something new. They not only have holiday-themed earrings, but they also have LGBTQ, witchy, career-themed, vintage, and so much more. Go check out their shop, locally owned by Maris, who is one cool chick. They are on Etsy as Anomaly 8 Designs. Go check out their shop, because you won't regret it. This has been Murder Obsessed, a true crime podcast. Stay listening. Stay murder-obsessed but not obsessed with murdering. Bye.